Yahuwah, Baruch Hashem Yahuwah, and blessings. What a blessing to be here. All right, we are in Ezekiel and the revelation of the 13 scrolls. We are in scroll two and part three of scroll two. Let's turn in our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 21. And we'll begin in verse 1 today. Now, I've got a couple of different translations that uh, some of you are going to be like, where is he reading from? I've got the uh, Tree of Life version, like that. The Restoration True Name Edition, my favorite. And um, some text from the Chumash. So, in case those of you get in, um, have got the NIV, you'll be like, what is he reading from? And you're shaking your head in the back because I know you're not reading the NIV. What are you reading? Because I do like your scriptures. Again. This is the second edition NET. The second edition NET. That's a good one as well. So let's jump in to Ezekiel in the Hebrew, Yechezkel, chapter 21. And before we do... Father, I pray that you would truly, Father, give me the words to speak and that, Father Yahweh, that you would speak to us as the prophet Yehezkel spoke to the nations, that, Father, that you have a word for us in the nations today, that we be aware of the days and the times that we live in, in Yahusha's mighty name. Hallelujah. The word of Yahuwah came to me saying, Ben-Adam, son of man, set your face towards Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, and drop your word toward the Kadosh places and prophesy against the forest field of the south and say to the forest of the, the south, this says Yahuwah, see, I am a lightning, an igniting a fire within you that will consume within you every fresh tree and every dry tree. An intense flame that will not be extinguished and every face from south to north will be singed by it. Every face from south to north will be singed by it. What is this talking about? What we're going to look at today is that I believe through the prophet Ezekiel that Yahuwah wants to give us hope. He wants to give us vision. He wants to give us understanding in the days that we live in. And he has chosen in these days to unveil the 13 scrolls of Ezekiel to give us a blueprint for hope In these days, because I don't know about you, but for me, when I look at what's going on in the world and I read the Bible, I pray daily that the Father would show me so that I could be a voice in a wilderness where people don't care or they're so asleep with volcanoes spurting and people are still teeing off right underneath it. When birds are dropping from the air and we can make excuses for that. 
When swarms of bees are disappearing and we can excuse that. It's like when, when will we wake up to the reality that things are changing, the signs are in the heavens and that we are still asleep? I pray that through the prophet Ezekiel today that we have some perspective so that at least we can encourage one another and help steer one another through these days. Because I do not want to be conformed to the world. Because the world is dead. Jerusalem was destined to be burned. Destined to be burned. And Yahuwah, through the prophet Ezekiel, he likens Jerusalem to a forest. To a forest. And the entire forest field would be destroyed. Even the healthy trees. Not the healthy tree. Yes. Even the healthy trees. And in the Bible, trees are people. You mean that Yahweh would bring judgment and it would even affect believers? Oh, but I'm in the church, we say. I'm born again and spirit-filled. Nothing's going to come on my front door. No, Yahuwah says that he'll burn even the healthy trees along with the dry trees. Oh yeah, the dry trees will be kindled quicker and you'll see their destruction coming faster. But even the healthy trees, if they're not in the right place under the guiding of the Ruach, will be caught up in the destruction too. So I see a gathering of Yahuwah's people and I also see a dispersing of trees, the forest in the field. Everyone, even the prophet Ezekiel must leave the city. Even Ezekiel has to leave the city. He and his family wouldn't be spared either. This is kind of echoing the decree of Sodom, isn't it? Sounds very familiar. Everybody, leave the city. Even you, Ezekiel. Everybody, leave the city. There is going to be a burning of the field, the forest of the trees. The decree will start in the south. Listen to that. Where will the decree start? In the south. And it is time at this point to address the fallacy. It kind of goes something like this. Well, I'm a born-again, blood-washed believer, and I'm covered. So I don't need to be concerned. Everything's going to be just fine for me. God will judge the wicked, and he'll spare the righteous. That's not what the Bible teaches. This is such an erroneous belief system that is unsupported by the Bible. The Bible teaches us through the prophets Ezekiel, this chapter in particular, and Zechariah, and we'll be going there, Zechariah chapter 6, the, the judgment in our days will begin with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The judgment in our days will begin with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And we're going to look at that today and tie that in with Ezekiel and the revelation of the 13 scrolls and give us hope and insight in this decaying world which you and I happen to be living in presently. Because what we will find is this fourth horseman riding, it depends on your translation, 
Some say the fourth horseman is riding an ashen horse. Some translations say a dappled horse. Some translations say a gray horse. But the Greek word that is used to describe the fourth horseman is the Greek word chloros, which is where we get the word chlorophyll, which plants are made of, which tells you that the color of the horse is the green horse. If you were to go, and you don't, please don't, but if you were to go into any mosque, you'll find that the color of the floor tile is green. You'll find that the minarets are green. You'll find that the suicide bombers have a headscarf that is green, that has the bismillah on it, that there is an armband that is green, that has the bismillah on it. If you were to go to Somalia when the Muslim Brotherhood took over in the 90s, that all of the doors and the window frames in Mogadishu were painted green. Because this is a sign of the judgment that will be used. And again, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, the difference between the fishers in Jeremiah 16 and those that would later come, the hunters. So we find that this fourth horse is actually a green horse, Chlorus, and it is going to be riding, according to Zechariah, in the southern hemisphere. Because there's going to be a southern hemispherical judgment, and there's going to be a northern hemispherical judgment. And we must discern, because it is unraveling right between our eyes, and people are oblivious to it. So who are the executioners today? In the day of of the prophet Ezekiel, who was the chief executioner of Nebuchadnezzar? It was none other than Nebuzardan. Nebuzardan was the chief executioner of Nebuchadnezzar that was sent to Jerusalem. And we today will find that the chief executioner that is to be used is none other than the fourth apocalyptic horseman. Judgment is coming. Islam bringing the sword and starvation in the southern hemisphere to an underdeveloped world. Generally, the southern hemisphere is less developed than the northern hemisphere. Can we agree on that? But we find that this green horse, Chloros, is supported by a red horse. And the red horse is, of course, the globalist-supported Marxism and all of the communist agenda. that You see all these Antifa rallies, you see the, 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 the sickle, and you see that it is really George Soros and this communist-backed agenda that is funding all of this mass migration. Can you agree or even understand? See what I'm, I'm, I'm forming here so that we can get some clarity through the Bible of what's actually going on. Because all of these open border policies of migration and destabilization, where are they happening? They're not happening in the southern hemisphere. They are a northern hemispherical judgment. 
mainly in the Northern Hemisphere. Can we agree? This migration of Islam and the destabilization of it is a Northern Hemispherical judgment. So now, with that in mind, we're going to layer Zechariah chapter 6 with Revelation 6. Let's turn to Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 6, and verse 1 we find there in the text. And I turned, and I lifted up mine eyes, and looked, and behold, four chariots were coming out from between Two mountains, and the mountains were brazen mountains. What happens when the afternoon sun starts to set and reflect upon glass? What would that look like? If you had some tall buildings and the afternoon sun began to set on those buildings and it would reflect back, is it possible that they could look like brazen mountains? Because if you were to ask any astute New Yorker about how the Twin Towers looked in the afternoon sun, they would tell you that it was likened unto two brazen glistening mountains. Because After 9-11 was staged, the four winds, the four winds of globalism rode off into our world. The four winds of globalism rode off into our world. The reality is, ladies and gentlemen, we do live in a post 9-11 world. We live in a post-9-11 world and a post-allied world. The two biggest globalist manufactured events of the 20th century and the 21st century was, of course, the First and Second World War particularly the Second World War, which from that was birth globalism and then the 9-11 event. I remember right after 9-11, I thought, I need to get my American passport because it's not going to be long before this gets locked down. I mean, I even knew that back then and I didn't have the understanding that I have now. But I knew that that was a distinct event that would change our very, very reality. We live in a post-9-11 and a post-World War II allied world. The two greatest New World Order events that shape our living landscape are World War II and 9-11, period. Zechariah 6 in the first chariot were red horses. This is, the, this is the liberal elite disseminating Marxist communism through media. We've got Hollywood propaganda. We've got the meltdown of the American industrialized infrastructure playing into the hands of the red Chinese. We see that right now today, don't we? America has become destabilized in its very infrastructure because of this first chariot of red horses horses. And in the second chariot, we have black horses. This, of course, is a northern hemispheric leader who will usher in economic instability using, listen, unequal, unequal what? 
monetary reforms. There is going to be a northern hemispheric leader that is going to use unequal scales, unequal monetary reforms. And then verse 3, in the third chariot, we have white horses. This is the UN, of course, where right outside the UN is none other than a white horse. Globalism's false peace and prosperity this is talking about a global living wage, which the New World Order wants to introduce. A global living wage. And then we come, of course, to the fourth chariot. In some translations, it says, piebald and ash-colored horses. Pale, or in the Greek, chloros, green horse. This, of course, is the Islamic sword and starvation beginning where? In the Asia-Pacific region with a swarm of over a billion locust man armies. This is a locust swarm invasion. And I answered, and I said to the Malak, the angel that talked with me, where are these men, my master? Where are these men? And the angel that talked with me answered and said, These are the four winds of heaven. And they are going forth to stand before Yahuwah, the Yahuwah of all the earth. And as the chariot in which were the black horses, they went out to the land of the north, that's a northern hemispheric judgment, and to the white went out after them, and the pale bald went out into the land of the south, southern hemispheric judgment, and the ash colored went out and looked to go and compass the earth. And he said, go and compass the earth. And they compassed the earth. Verse 8. And he cried out and spoke to me saying, Behold, behold, these go out to the land of the north. And they have quieted mine anger in the land of the north. Revelation now chapter 6. Turn with me there. Because by us layering the horsemen of Revelation 6 with Zechariah 6, we can discern where these judgments are happening. They are either southern hemispherical judgments or they're northern hemispherical judgments. We're seeing the sword of Islam, just like Nebuzadan is going to be used as an executioner against the nations. And includes the whole house of Yahuwah's people. Even the righteous. The whole forest of the field will be burned unless you come out of the world. That's your only escape. Even Ezekiel, as righteous as Ezekiel was, if he decided to stay in the world, he would have got the judgment. If you and I decide that we're going to be friends with the world, we're going to go back into the world, we're going to go back into the church system, and I've got nothing against righteous believers in the church who are teaching the true message, but we cannot go back if Yahweh has called us out. There cannot be any compromise. I can never go back. We must continue to go forward. Because even if we have that personal relationship with the Father, and we are truly walking righteously, our whole family will be decimated. Decimated. If he has called us out, we have to continue to walk out. Because even Ezekiel couldn't go back. 
Even Ezekiel couldn't go back. Turn with me now, Revelation chapter 6. Look at a few things here. What do we see with this first seal? We've got the six seals in Revelation 6. The first seal, we see the white horse. This rides out and it is laying a global foundation for trading your rights, your freedoms in the false promise of what? You'll get security. We'll protect you. Give us, give us your rights. And we'll give you security and protection. Just give up a few rights. You'll be a lot more secure. And we'll protect you. We'll provide for you. That's the first seal with the white horse. Riding out and laying that foundation of globalism. Trading rights and freedoms for the false promise of security and protection. Now we look at the second seal, we see that second, that red horse. This is the Marxist meltdown of Western infrastructure. In the past 50 years, Western infrastructure has melted down and the communist Chinese have ramped up and built up. And it's affecting us. And now we have a leader, and I'm not all gung-ho for President Trump, but now we're having a leader that is saying, hey, you know what, we need to start looking at some of these treaties that we've got. We need, we need to start looking at some of these tariffs that are against the United States, and we need to start scaling this back. And oh my goodness, this is just terrible. No, it's not. It's just common sense. Because... The infrastructure has collapsed, and the only way around this is understanding that we need to get it back, because this is a Marxist meltdown of the Western infrastructure. That's the red horse. Then the next thing we have is the black horse. Number three, we have the black horse. This is talking about what we're seeing in Europe. We've got Brexit. We've got the breakup and breakdown of the European Union. The European Union. The breakup and breakdown. Will it be able to even survive Brexit? I don't know. And then we come to that fourth. Ashen, dappled, I prefer chloros. It's a green horse. Of course, this is the Asia-Pacific slave locust army. This is starvation and disease at the hands of Islamic migration into the Western nations. Can you see it? It's right before our eyes. And then we find what? With that will come the cry of the martyrs. The cry of the martyrs. So brethren, the foundation is there. And then what do we see? What's this sixth, sixth seal? What is it? None other than cosmic disturbance. Have you and I witnessed any strange things in the cosmos? Cosmic disturbances. Well, we've got harp, which is the not-so-secret weapon of the New World Order used for weather modification and electromagnetic warfare. Half of this stuff is testing on electromagnetic warfare and um, these weapons that they've designed through the HARP program, which isn't really secret anymore. And then we've got this connected to the first, second, and third seal, and this is all housed in the soon-to-be-fallen European Union. 
It's all housed over there. So you can see how that this is playing out right before our very eyes. Going back to our text in the fourth verse of Ezekiel chapter, Ezekiel chapter 21. Look what it says here. Seeing then that I would cut off from you the righteous and the wicked. The righteous and the wicked. Therefore shall my sword go out of its sheath against all flesh from the south. That's a southern hemispheric judgment. To the north a northern hemispheric judgment, that all flesh may know that I, Yahweh, have drawn out my sword out of its sheath. Yahweh used Nebuzadan, the chief executioner of Nebuchadnezzar. Yahweh is using Esau, the chief executioner in our days. The hunters going out through the western nations because we have fallen under this Marxist red horse and now we are getting our just reward. All flesh, that's all flesh, all flesh may know that I, Yahuwah, have drawn out my sword out of its sheath. It shall not return any more. Sigh, therefore, you son of man, with the breaking of your insides, and with the bitterness, sigh before their eyes. Ezekiel had to come out of the world and even go into the exile to escape judgment. We dealt with Babylon, but we're dealing in our age with what? Mystery Babylon, come out of her, my people. Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and of the earth's abominations. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, the word says. She who made all nations, all nations drink of the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. Yahweh remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of wine, the fury of his wrath. That's our present reality. Look at verse 7. And it shall be when they say to you, Oh, but why do you sigh? Why do you sigh? Then you shall answer for the news that I have received because it comes and every heart shall melt and all the hands shall be feeble and every ruach, every spirit shall faint and all knees shall be weak as water. See, it comes and shall be brought to pass, says the master Yahuwah. Again, the word of Yahuwah came to me saying, Ben-Adam, son of man, prophesy and say, this says Yahuwah, say, a sword, a sword is sharpened and is also polished. A sword, a sword. Look at the double meaning right there. The sword of Nebuchadnezzar will attack them. Yet Nebuchadnezzar in turn won't be spared, will he, for what he did for Israel, did against Israel. Even Nebuchadnezzar wasn't spared. His empire, did it survive? No, it didn't survive. After his death, it was conquered by the Medes and the Persians. Today, today, Yahweh will use the hammer and sickle of the globalists to judge and bring calamity to the nations. 
They're trying to wringle out of it right now, but they can't. How can you stop the flood of migration when you have opened up the borders? You can't. Now, you're left with the consequences. But just like Nebuchadnezzar, these nations, they in turn will not be spared judgment for what they've done to Yahuwah's people. For what they've done to Yahuwah's people. Look at verse 14. You therefore, son of man, prophesy and clap a sword, a sword. It has been sharpened and even burnished. Now, of course, the twice-mentioned sword alludes to the sword of Nebuchadnezzar against Jerusalem and the sword of Ammon against Gedaliah. Gedaliah. Because after Nebuchadnezzar's fire to Jerusalem, he did, in fact, allow a few Jews to remain in the land, and he appointed... Gedaliah to be their governor. So Nebuchadnezzar allowed a few Jews to remain in the land, but he appointed a specific governor over them. He appointed Gedaliah over them. Now, the king of Ammon, the king of Ammon, he hated the Jews, and he hired Ishmael, a renegade Jew to assassinate Gedaliah. And likewise, don't you see? Look at the comparison. I just want you to layer the scripture with where we're at today. Likewise, after, after the globalists, after the globalists fully conquer the nations, and we're seeing this right now, what are they going to do? They'll do exactly what we see in our Bible text. Just what Nebuchadnezzar did by the appointment of a governor and allowing a few Jews back into that community and appointing a governor, Gedaliah, over them and then a renegade Jew called Ishmael coming in and assassinating him. Likewise, you'll see the same pattern of exactly that because this is the amazing, amazing thing. After the globalists fully conquer the nations, they will herd citizens into what? <clears throat> Little mini city-states. Controlled urban dwelling zones. And appoint governors over these specific FEMA regions. We already see the priming of the pump here in Salem, Oregon. There's a little joke for you locally. We have a water crisis here. It's going to last for another two or three weeks. Okay? So, literally, Starbucks is shut down because their espresso machines are plumbed into the city water. But what have they got you all doing? They've got you going to specific fenced-in locations to go and get water. And does everybody do it? Of course. Just the sheep will come along and get your, go to these specific water locations. And if you look where they're at, it's, it's quite telling. Thankfully, I'm on well water and, and a lot of you are as well, so we don't have to be a part of it. But this is all part of the priming of the pump of getting the people used to going into controlled 
safe and protected environments so that you can get your needs taken care of when it couldn't be further from the truth. The reality is we need to come out of her, my people, and be independent and codependent on one another. So this is an amazing time because just like they did in the days of Ezekiel, we'll find that the globalists, they will fully conquer the nations and then they will herd citizens into many city-states, these controlled urban dwelling zones, and appoint governors over these specific FEMA regions. Now, just like they did back then, to root out any remaining loyal to Yahuwah, what would they do? Because, you know, there might be some that go into those city-states unbeknownst to them, but they're still believers that are loyal to Yahuwah. How are we going to root those people out? How are we going to find out where there, if there are any believers in the midst of that? Well, they'll send in the Islamic slave locust armies that will conspire with the Ashkenazi Jews to assassinate governors and bring a wholesale slaughter to the saints. It's called what? The cry of the martyrs. That's the fifth seal. That's the fifth seal. And on the back of that is the cosmic disturbances manufactured by harp in the very midst of a falling and crumbling European Union. Look at verse 15 of our text in in Ezekiel chapter 21. It's kind of like Revelation though. That it may be a slaughter. Has it been sharpened? That it may have a flash. Has it been burnished? Can we rejoice? The staff, the staff that beats my son, scorns every wood. Interesting here in the translation, the sword has gone out to cut down the staff. But if we look at the word staff in the Hebrew, it is spelt sheen, bet, tet, shebet, shebet. It means tribe tribe the sword has gone out to cut down the tribe of my son Judah right now when we look at that in light of Yahusha what tribe beat Yahuwah's son what tribe same tribe right where does this even come from Well, I go back to the England of my youth, and of course, you know, many of you have heard my story, but I went to a a private all-boys boarding school. But in the England of my youth, when a schoolmaster went to beat a commoner, I mean, he'd beat him with, with whatever was at hand. If there was a ruler by nearby, then the commoner would be beaten with the ruler. There was, you know, if, he had to, if the headmaster had to take his shoe off, and I saw this happen, and beat a commoner in front of the whole assembly with a plimsoll, then that's what would happen. Whatever was nearby, that's how the commoner would be beaten in the public school system of my youth. In front of the whole assembly. But that would never happen to me. Because I went to a private boarding school you see it was a totally totally different thing 
going to a private boarding school, especially the son of a donor family, I would never be treated like that. Never treated like that. We were beat with a lead-tipped cane in private. We were invited into the master's study in a very dignified manner, and we were privately addressed, and we were privately beaten with a lead-tipped bamboo cane. And we would never get more than six strokes. That was always the maximum. And it was always done in the privacy of the master's study. But the commoners, oh no, they would get whatever was coming in front of the whole assembly and shamed. But we, we were treated very, very differently. You see, these customs of dignity and disgrace, they stem from old English culture. Old English culture. Where a king, he could beat a commoner with whatever was at hand. He could beat a commoner with a stick. He could beat a commoner with a club. Oh, but he would never do that to a knight of peerage. Oh, no, never, never. It would be insulting. Think about it. It would be insulting to beat a distinguished person, a knight, with a stick. How insulting would that be? His pride demands that he must be attacked or disciplined with the sword. Right? Because that befits someone of his stature. Right? You see, this is what we're talking about right here in the very scroll of Ezekiel. So too, in our text, the master Yahuwah now beats his own kin, Judah, his own son. But it won't be with a club. Oh, Yahuwah beat the Egyptians with a club. He beat the Babylonians with a club. But he will never beat his own kin with a club. It is in a distinguished manner with a wet and glittering sword which befits the children of Israel. Which befits the children of Israel. Sharpen yourself on the right hand or on the left, wherever your face is turned, verse 16. I will also clap my hands together and I will cause my anger to rest. I, Yahweh, have said it. You see, Yahweh, even in his judgment, will bring honor to his people. And the England of my youth, even in judgment, it was done in honor. But in the public schools, it was disgraceful, humiliating. Literally, I saw kids that would literally pee their pants in front of the whole assembly. But that would never ever happen to us especially if we were from a donor family to a private school we would literally we would get our record card at the end of the week and i would have a green c on it there was a red abc blue abc green abc you got a green c you knew on monday at four o'clock when school was out where you would be and you knew that that green C was six strokes with a lead-tipped cane and you had all weekend to, to know that that was coming.
but it was always done in a very private manner. That was the England of my youth. And it goes back to what we're talking about here in the Bible, that Yahweh will judge the nations with a club, with a hammer, whatever is at hand, but he will always judge his people with honor and with dignity. But that doesn't mean we'll escape the judgment. That doesn't mean we'll escape the judgment unless we come out of her, my people. That's a long way around way of saying, we've got to wake up and come out of the world because time is not in our favor. Look at what's happening in the world, in the northern hemisphere. Look what's happening in the southern hemisphere. Look what's happening in the cosmos and the atmospheric disturbances. Take the blinders off and awaken, my people, awaken. Now is not a time to go back. It is a time to continue on forward. Verse 18, verse 17, of course, refers to people. It says here, I will clap my hands together. I will cause my anger to rest. I, Yahweh, have said it. The word of Yahweh came to me again. Also you, son of man, appoint two paths. The sword of the king of Babel, Babylon may come. Both paths shall come out of one land and place a signpost. Choose it at the head of the way to the city. Appoint a way, appoint a path that the sword may come to Rabbah of the Ammonites and to Judah in the walled city of Jerusalem. So this is talking about how the sword would be doubled. It would be a doubled sword. And of course, there would be three exiles we know from the Bible by the sword. The first exile was of Jehoiakim. And how did he die? He was killed in that very exile. The second exile was the exile of Jehoiashin, in which no one was killed. No one was killed. The third exile was the exile of Zedekiah, which was the worst of all because it included all of the mass killings, even those of his own cabinet, and finally even those of his own household right before his very eyes, before he was blinded. Look at verse 21. For the king of Babylon shall stand at the parting of the paths and at the fork of the two paths to use divination to make his arrows bright. He shall consult with images. He shall see his triumph. Now our leaders today, they rule the same way through alchemy and divination. Our leaders today, they rule the same way through alchemy and divination. This is a reality that few believers want to deal with. When I start talking about this, they're like, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. They're not really into the occult. Have you been to Washington, D.C.? This is exactly how it has always been with the nation's leaders. They rule by divination, by the occult, because they are empowered in the Luciferic realm. 
Verse 24, therefore, this says the master Yahuwah, because you have made your iniquity to be remembered in that your transgressions are uncovered so that in all your doings, your sins do appear because you have been remembered, you shall be taken by the hand and you profane wicked leaders of Israel whose day has come when iniquity shall have an end. What iniquity? Will Yahweh recall to be remembered? What is the iniquity that Yahweh will recall to be remembered? Turn with me. This is the iniquity. Matthew chapter 23. This is the iniquity that Yahweh will recall to be remembered out of the mouth of his own son. Matthew tw- chapter 23, verse 29. Remember what I just read in our text in Ezekiel, because this is what Yahushua is going to be talking about. I read, and you profane wicked leader of Israel, whose day has come when iniquity shall have no end. Meaning, the iniquity that you have done in this place, it will be remembered by future generations. The things that you have done, O Israel, in this place have become so iniquitous. They were so grievous that it will be talked about by hundreds and hundreds of years later. And we find that true, don't we? Because Yahushua, in fact, recalls it to our mind in Matthew chapter 23, verse 29. Woe unto you. Scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you build the sepulchres of the prophets and garnish the tombs of the righteous. And you say, oh, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye witness to yourselves that ye are sons of them that slew the prophets. Fill ye up then and measure of your fathers, you serpents, you offspring of vipers. How shall you escape the judgment of hell? Therefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them shall be killed and crucified, and some of them shall ye scourge in your own synagogues and persecute from city to city that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth. Listen, from the blood of Abel, the righteous, unto the blood of Zechariah, son of Barachiah, whom you slew between the sanctuary and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. A wheel within a wheel now rolls forward to our prophetic day. And as Yahushua saw what rolled forward from Ezekiel's day, Yahushua mentions right there, and he says to them what? All these things shall come upon this generation. Today, the revelation of the 13 scrolls of Ezekiel is for this generation likewise. Yahushua demonstrates very succinctly the wheel of Ezekiel rolls forward prophetically in motion into his generation just 
as it rolls forward prophetically into our present generation. The iniquity of murdering Zechariah, who was a priest. He was a prophet, the son-in-law of the king, the son-in-law of the king, and he was a judge. He was murdered. Zechariah was killed in the temple, and his blood, it seethed on the ground for the next 252 years until Nebuchadnezzar's army came into Jerusalem. His blood literally seethed on the ground for 252 years until Nebuchadnezzar's army came into Jerusalem. History tells us, history tells us that Nebuzadan, who was the chief executioner of Nebuchadnezzar, asked the people, what is this seething blood? Between the altar and the porch. What does this mean? And what did the people say? Oh, oh, this is the blood of an ox. This is the blood of an ox. It just keeps seething up out of the ground. And he compared it to the blood of an ox. Nebuzaradan, the chief executioner of Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, this isn't the blood of an ox. And he started to kill and kill and kill the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Until they gave him a truthful answer. Because said, no. This is not the blood of an ox. I can tell the difference. So he began to slaughter wholesale throughout Jerusalem. He threatened to leave not one person alive, not a remnant of the people, unless they revealed the mystery of the seething blood between the altar and the porch. History tells us this. And what did the people do? Finally, Finally, the people told them it was the blood of the famous prophet seething until it could be mollified. Until it could be mollified. So, what did Nebuzaradan do, the chief executioner? He set about the task of mollifying the blood. He started with the slaughter of the men in the city. The blood didn't stop. No mollification. So he moved on to the wholesale slaughter of the women. The blood didn't stop. No mollification. Finally, he set his sword against the children. And still, there was no mollification. So Nebuzaradan, in a last-ditch effort, he slaughtered the Sanhedrin. He slaughtered the elders of Israel. And nothing, nothing he said, Does the whole nation need to be slaughtered? And finally, finally when he asked that question, then history tells us immediately the blood ceased seething and Judah's destiny was established at the hand of the slayer. At the hand of the slayer. All that to say this. This is a revelation that rolls forward into a generation that is about to face judgment at the hands of the nations. And if you and I can't see that we are in that generation and heed the warnings of the prophets, then I can't relate to you. And you can't relate to me. 
But I believe that we can relate. Because I believe that we are seeking the Father through his word. And we are aware of the days that we live in. And that we have chosen to leave the world. We have chosen to come out of Babylon. And therefore, he has given us the gift to be able to see. The gift to be able to discern in these days. Because we already see the dawn of the biblical seals. We already see the dawn of the biblical seals. The forming of the fourth seal. Riding of the ashen chloros or green horse to the southern hemisphere. Bringing sword, sword, starvation and death. We see it right before our very eyes. Employing the executioners today. Not Nebuzadan, no. But Islam bringing the sword and starvation to an undeveloped world. Supported by the red horse which is globalism and its open border policies of migration and destabilization to the whole northern hemisphere. And Trump is trying to stem the flow. He's trying to mollify the blood. Don't you see that? And they are literally trying to stop it. He's trying to mollify the blood. We already saw, it's disgraceful, we already saw this week in the United Kingdom the destabilization in its very throes, in very process. The legal process and politics is in turmoil in the United Kingdom. The unjust arrest and imprisonment of one of England's sons, Tommy Robinson. Literally thrown into a 72% Islamic prison. This is one of England's sons. And we have mobs marching on Downing Street. Chasing the Metropolitan Police down. Because Islamic migration and nothing. What happens? The Islamic mayor of London does nothing as a fatwa is issued from the speakers of London mosques. A fatwa against Tommy Robinson, one of England's sons. And everybody carries on like this is normal. Like this is acceptable. And all of this is a post World War II United Kingdom. This would never have happened. This would never have happened. The working class Englishman is outraged at London's Mohammedan mayor because he turns a blind eye to justice and equity even as Downing Street is mobbed Mobbed, and the Metropolitan Police literally are chased away by hordes. I pray you make provision. I pray we make preparation. Because that pot is a warning to what is going to come to these shores. It's just hitting there first. But that's a temperature gauge for us. I pray that we can make preparation for the days of ye- ahead. Because Yahweh has made a way for us. He has called us into this biblical way of life so that we can be watchmen. And when people get discouraged and they go back into the world, he still needs his remnant people to stand strong.
And that's what you are. And look at this gathering here tonight. Look at this gathering. Still he gathers. We're amazed. (laughs) Astounding. The Father is working in his people. That's the purpose of the biblical feasts. That's the purpose of the biblical feast, to prepare us to gather in. So let's join together, please. We've all made mistakes. But it's through prayer, through petition. It's through coming together and the singing of psalms, the reading of scripture, and praying for one another that we can all walk uprightly in the assurity that Yahweh has a place for provision for us. Let's practice these memorial feasts and festivals and Sabbaths as preparation for the good things to come. Because Yahweh is using his feasts and his Sabbaths to take us out of the nations and to provide for us in a time of persecution.